Hi, I'm John. And I'm Colin. And I'm Perry's Cold Outside Penis. This is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up. There's three things in this world that you need. Respect for all kinds of life, a nice bowel movement on a regular basis, and a navy blazer. I'm out there every fucking day trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing. No matter what I have, it feels like I have nothing. I don't feel sorry for you. It's easy being nuts. Try being me. Cue the theme song. You speak English? Let the bum go, dipshit. Jack Lucas, the face behind the voice. Jack Lucas, the face and the voice. Or maybe just Jack. Exclamation point. He's going to fucking pick the Jack Lucas story. You'll never ask the fucking picnic I decided to do it. Not gonna risk my life to get some fucking cup for some fucking vegetable. If I do this, I want you to know it wouldn't be because I felt I had to, or because I felt cursed or guilty or responsible or anything. If I do this, <laughs> if I do this, it's because I want to do this for you. That's all. All right. We're going to the 90s, early 90s. And I believe for our first time, directing Terry Gilliam directing The Fisher King, 91. Um, This is a, a, a quirky kind of dark, darkish comedy. It's a quest for the Holy Grail. That's basically what this is, which is kind of interesting seeing as how... Uh, do we do Monty Python next week, The is Holy it Grail? Next week? I yeah. think it is next week. Yeah, It might be, yeah. So we're going back-to-back, yeah, back-to-back Grail movies. This, That's pretty that's interesting. This is actually also... We didn't do this intentionally, but this is the 30th anniversary of this movie because it's uh, nine, 1991, you said. That is Holy true. Bananas. 30 years. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Wow. 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 Um, <clears throat> in the Fisher King, we have Jack Lucas, narcissistic, self-centered. <laughs> He's a pretty intense guy. Got a radio show, loves jumping on, loves saying things, and uh, uh, he doesn't really think about what he says too much because he's just all full of himself. And unfortunately, this prompts a gentleman to do a mass murder at a bar uh, affecting many lives. And so then we skip forward and Jack is different. I think he's still under the under the hood, a little bit of a narcissist, but for sure he is working in a video store, a little bit humbled. I don't know if humbled's the right word. He's, he's a changed man. And through a uh, comedy of drinking and errors and running into crazy people, uh, thinks about offing himself, runs into some homeless folks who save his life and um, they kind of figure out that the homeless guys are maybe a knight maybe on a quest for the holy grail is he going to help is he not redemption that's the that's the name of the game here can he get redeemed poor uh, Jack's poor lady friend who owns the video store too uh, ends up being <laughs> involved in a lot of this stuff so this is a very a very interestingly quirky movie and um yeah, one one of the first things you notice about this movie because it is a Terry Gilliam movie is that it it is a Terry Gilliam movie. This is chock full. The the one thing that that hits me every time I watch one of his flicks is how strange he can make things feel um, behind the camera. 
very strange. Lots of Dutch angles, lots of fisheye lenses, uh, weird angles in music. It, it like up. honestly make, gives me a yeah, it gives me a peculiar feeling as I'm watching it. And um, I, I was some of his movies go more over the top in this um, that that kind of fashion, like like Brazil and. Um, uh, probably Baron Munchausen and the Time the t- Time Bandits um, as well. This one actually tapered it back to a degree that I found very interesting because a, a lot of this movie is quote unquote normally directed, um, but then there are just ways that he he gets you more involved from a visual perspective um, and a look and feel perspective by jumping into these weird angles and than the music and the extreme close-ups especially this is especially true when jack is drunk and and meeting the drunk gang um for the first time because that's where the movie the movie takes a left turn there it's it's super serious to start um obviously when we have jack doing a show and and then you know waking up the next morning thinking he's gonna have a tv deal making lots of money and and uh, he hears the news and um. Uh, so I mean that's all very dark tones and then we have to see Jack in his new job tr- like struggling to to deal with people obviously drinking himself into a into a grave um, and as soon as he meets Robin Williams and Robin Williams shoots one of the two thugs in the alleyway with his with his bow and arrow suction cup I'm guessing it's <laughs> it just starts a new thread in the movie and goes in a, a little bit of a different direction at least for a little bit um, and I always found that so interesting. It's it's rare that a, a movie will mix those styles um, as well um, as as Gilliam kind of does here. Um, maybe some of his other movies I would feel go too over the top with one or the other, but um, this one seemed to mix it up in a, in a more interesting and um, less in your I don't know if it's less in your face, but less obvious uh, way. Yeah, it's interesting. I think. Sorry, Colin. Go ahead. Yeah, he. If Gillian would have used this as a jumping off point, it's too bad because I feel like everybody is usually better when they're toned down a little bit. And uh, this movie is almost perfect for his style. Uh, like you were saying earlier, a lot of the times he goes too far or the whole movie is kind of that weird way. But he uses that style of his directing in aspects of the movie where it where you should be feeling weird or something strange is afoot or something is going on or happening as opposed yep. to him just using it all the time so it's it's too bad that whatever he took from this he uh that could have been his, this could have been his style going forward with all of his movies this, he could have like refined his style in a way because i think this is his best directed movie like hands down do you do we have a clue like where in his filmography like when he started like kind of branching out on his own from from python to do this is his first film that um, doesn't have any python in it okay any that's what i was wondering python, yeah right? yep but like he he yep. directed holy grail so this will be a back-to-back terry gilliam i think that i agree with colin yeah I think this is probably my my favorite gilliam it it's tough because i love all that monty python stuff but this is so like there's a, there's a grounding in reality in here where like a lot of his stuff. What was that one that he did? Um, uh, the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, right bef- before like Heath Ledger died. Like that seems to be more typical yeah. of of him. Like super fantastical, almost surreal type of environments, and the angles yep. are always throwing you into like this weird. Like it, it, they feel like you're on drugs 
actually like if you've ever like been really wasted on on alcohol or, or drugs at a party and you're like kind of walking around and meeting people it's almost like that interaction every time you're running into somebody but this movie dials it back big time and there's like a grounding of like real life and then there's also like blended with perry's craziness i just think it's like this magic spot for gilliam where he kind of like shines here yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the the feeling that you get when you're when you're when you've been drinking because that's the first taste we get is when Jack is like blackout drunk. And so it kind of works for it how strange it would be and and it kind of almost helps to put yourself in Jack's shoes at that moment when he's meeting these extremely strange characters yeah. who just saved his life and he's like, "Whoa," and they're talking to him and yeah, so it, it it works really well as opposed to some of the other times when um, you know, it's uh in um What's the Brad Pitt one? The, the crazy people one. Twelve monkeys. Yeah, it's that's more from the the crazy person's perspective. Yeah. Um, and I don't relate to that as much because I'm hopefully not a crazy person. But that seems more jarring, like a, a a different use of the device. Whereas this one, because it it's used the way it is with Jack being drunk at the, for the first time we see it anyway. I don't think it quite gets that insane around the directing and camera actually, movement as well ever again it just has the it has the uncomfortable angles that he intends to use quite a bit as as people he, are shifting he, from crazy he uses to them the for environments time. which is good because it's it's then almost like uh like the leitmotif when we see the character the angles are crazy like when jack is in normal life and he's sober and hanging around sober people it doesn't seem to be crazy like that that's right the first time he yep, uses this right. is when when uh when he's in the video store and he's drinking Jack Daniels in the morning, uh, in the, <laughs> yeah. hiding in the office, and then he he meets that woman, and it's like a wall-eyed uh, shot of her like in his face, and she's like freaking out, being very manic about wanting a movie. Yeah, and he gives um, her and porn. He, and yeah, and it's floating, and it, but the camera's floating, so it is when he's drunk a lot because he's drunk there as well. He's just not as drunk as later on in the movie. Yeah. But he's yep. definitely he's 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 sauced up. Yeah, it is. And it he is has true. anxiety, and, and uh, he's almost uh, then he lashes out when people he's confronted, and he can't get out of it. Yeah, he can't deal. He can't. It's it's weird. It's it's. Um, I, I didn't mention either. This movie has um a, a great cast of of Robin Williams, Jeff Bridges, Amanda Plummer, and Mercedes. Who Rula. won an Oscar for this? Um. <clears throat> who won an Oscar for this role and she absolutely deserves it in hindsight. Oh, yeah. Looking She's back. so good in this. <clears throat> her character is, there's so much required of her in this movie. She has to be, she has to be a strong woman, a str- like a small business owner, um, have all that going for her and then also be in a position where she can be with, with Jack who is obviously a piece of garbage, but she's like struggling and a little desperate in her love life and has found guy, even if he has all these problems that she truly loves and her ups and downs in this movie and how Jack treats her and to, to watch her bounce off of that. It's crazy. She, I feel she, so bad for her. She's such a strong, like we always talk about strong female characters and the great thing about this movie that um, why it's still, her performance still stands out today is that not only is she a very strong woman, but she's also a very emotional woman. She She's a mo- very emotional, but she's also oh, yeah. very strong. When her and Jack are, when when her and Jack are having problems later in the movie, she she is very emotional. But then when Jack tries to be nice, she fucking shuts it down. And she's like, no, she's like, yep. fuck you. It's not going to go the way you want it to go. If this is the way it's going to go, it's going to fu- it's not going to be fucking fun for you. So yeah. So it's yeah. But she still she cries and she. 
she's got a big heart. She like you fucking root for her like as much as you root for Jack and uh, she. Oh, big time! And uh, Perry. And Perry. She's our. She's our every person. She's the normal, and everybody else has got huge issues, and she's the most normal. So I think she's kind of That's true. the one that we can all rally around because I'm like she's trying to run a business, and she has these lunatics running around, and she wants to support Jack, but he's like. No, um, we'll give this lady, uh, the, the, this other lady, uh, who the Amanda Plummer character, free membership, free VCR as long as you want to help my friend. <laughs> and he's like, and you'll cook dinner and you'll do her nails. And she's like, fine. <laughs> I, I love, I love all that stuff because she's, she's, she's trying her hardest to be responsible. When they get her and, and, and calm about when they things. get her and Amanda Plummer together is some of the best stuff. Because be Amanda Plummer, yeah. like I mean, and, about being so meek, and uh, and Mercedes yeah. was like, you know what? You could be a real bitch sometimes, and Amanda Plummer is like so thrilled about it. <laughs> yeah, so Perry and Jack, Perry and Jack, and uh, and her and uh, Amanda Plummer are just great to watch them interact. I mean, everyone should have won. Like, like fucking Bridges should have won for best actor. Perry should have won for best supporting. She won for obviously best. I think she supporting actress. I guess. Oh, is she lead? Uh, she won Best Supporting. Uh, Bridges wasn't even nominated. Robin Williams was for Best Actor. How did Robin Williams not win? I don't know why Williams Shocking. is called the the best. A- like, wasn't he a support to Bridges as the main? Yeah, he would have been. Like, I love... And Robin Williams in this, folks. Oh, my. This is... Um, yeah, this was this would be a lot required of, of, of that character to play. Because yeah. Perry's character could have been silly... Um, ridiculous! It, it it could have definitely not gone well, but he manages to to be completely like out of control, crazy in a convincing way. Um, to be heroic and then to be this little mousy, like running away from from spending time with the woman he loves, and um, yeah. And then I mean, his backstory is 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 shocking. So here's the thing about this movie. Um, some movies uh, that we've talked about in the past will have coincidental things happen to drive the story forward. And I usually don't like that if, you know, oh, I ran into this person who just so happened to be this person. So you could argue that Jack running into Perry at all and Perry had been directly involved with Jack's craziness, um, you know, the, the, the whole murder thing going on. But because this movie is set up basically as a as a fairy tale, um, it's like a knight in shining armor, right? We're going to fight the evil dragon and get the Holy Grail and win the day. Um, so because it has that kind of fantasy element in the background, I don't mind as much because then you can start to talk about things like this was fate, you know, this was the journey, this was the magic that had to happen. Um, and I relax on that stuff a little bit more because you can just you can just sit back and enjoy this movie for the for the rich characters that it that it it's, gives that's you. It's good writing though. Once again, the the writing yep. and the world is set up so well that it does feel like kismet that they meet and Jack's Jack's response to him meeting Perry, the little yep. bit of dialogue he has, he 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 once again internalizes it that he's cursed that he met this person, and it he does, and then he. He almost that's where the movie really changes because then he he aggressively pursues trying to make amends to someone that he feels he's wronged well he did wrong I mean in a, in, indirectly he wronged him and something you said at the beginning of the movie uh, about him him saying whatever he wants or stuff like I mean these he was a shock jock yeah and that's going on a lot now in the news and the media so I find that interesting there's people like on 
people like a Tucker Carlson who 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 are actually being a shock jock but with news information now. So they're like yeah, saying things put like big quotations around information. Yeah, yeah. That's a good that's a fair point. So he's but he he his audience just basically tunes in for him to shock them with some crazy conspiracy he's come with each week and people react are acting on things he's saying just like in this movie where yeah. where um Jack didn't feel responsible for what he was saying and then what he said was like I mean I feel like that that point of the the movie is like really relevant to what's going on today with with um with uh you know um the false narratives and lies in the media and people believing whatever certain people will tell them no matter who they are like the 5 minutes of hate from from 1984 where everyone just stands yeah. in front of the fucking screen with the enemy and then just fucking screams hate at them. It's like just this moment to get everyone riled up, which is not and the same thing I think a shock jock's doing, but I think it's in the same envelope where it's it's something polarizing, something where it's going to, if you listen long enough, you're going to either hear something so eccentric and crazy or something so opposite of what you believe that you're going to feel mobilized. It's the same way I go on Facebook once every three months. I just pop on. I get super angry. <laughs> I pop back off. My fuel is back for another three months. It's uh, it's just something to 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 make you feel something. It's kind of like but, but, uh, but emotional. Yeah, but like with the whole um, with the whole June sixth and the the riot and the insurrection stuff that was incited by speech, shock speech. Well, Trump. right, and and lies that that people were spouting out there into the airwaves. And people were picking up on it and reacting, and that's what happens in the beginning of the movie. You see, you could see the tragedy that these types of things um, could cause. And uh, but the the thing is, is he feels responsible, and a lot of people today don't feel any take any responsibility for the shit they spew and the the what people are doing based on their lies are based on the things that they're saying. So it makes his character immediately you it, that's a save the cat. Because he goes yeah. from like the biggest fucking shock jock like Howard Stern in New York City to three years later living above a fucking shitty video store being drunk all the time because the guilt, the the weight of what he has done. Yeah. And so that's I, to I, save the cat. Yeah. And it takes it takes the whole movie for him to get there, which is another element of this movie that I really enjoy because he thinks he's done enough to save Perry but in actuality, he wasn't doing it to save Perry. He was doing it to help himself. Yes. And as soon as, as soon as he feels he's done that and he jumps on the phone to his agent and he gets a sniff of the old life, he dumps his, he dumps his, his girlfriend and he tries to run away and get back to it and he doesn't find it. And then it brings him around again to, he has to, then Perry goes through his, his stabbing and beating, um, from the same two punks that were messing with uh, Jeff Bridges earlier, which is a little questionable in my mind. But anyway, but once then he goes to the hospital and he has the heart to heart uh, with Perry, even though Perry's in a coma or catatonic. And he's like, I'm doing this for you, not for me, for you. And once he once he gets to that and he, and he ends up executing the mission, that's when his life changes. Yeah, the better. Totally. That's his affirming oh, yeah, moment. Totally. But what so, you said there about the guys showing up, it's the same guys. Once again, the directing and the cinematography <laughs> and the tone of having the shadow of the of the horseman in behind them when their jeep pulls up makes once again it okay because it feels like a fairy tale like once again the writing yeah. and the directing 
um, do a good enough job. Like that's what people don't do. They just have coincidences, but they don't set up the world to allow for people to be able to accept those coincidences. And this movie, yeah, that's right. Cameron, totally does that. Cameron was on deck to to direct this, eh? Or it was at least being considered. I feel like this movie. James Cameron. I feel like this movie would have been boring if James Cameron. Oh God. It. Oh God! Yeah. This would have been a giant turd. Yeah, I feel like it was because I don't think that. Sorry, I don't think that Cameron could have. Um, like, so like what I said earlier about really enjoying Gilliam's style in this movie, whereas in other movies I haven't appreciated. Like, I don't think James Cameron has that additional flair or stuff. He's a he's a solid director. I mean, he, like the cinematography would look good. He'd, he'd have the right thing shot in the right way with the blue blue tinge in the background, maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I can't. I, I don't know how. I don't know how we would have handled um, building that kind of empathy and compassion from us as the audience just by watching what's happening, let alone um, kind of listening to the dialogue and, and music. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he would have had the direct, directing flair to get that done as well as Gilliam does in I this. I think Gilliam must in real life live right in between these two worlds. Like, Gilliam seems to be a, but, like obviously an eccentric guy. Having spent all that time with Monty Python group, like... I mean, he's definitely he was the animator. That, right? he, he he was the animator, right? I I think he did do that. He stuff. did all the animation yeah. for Monty Python. Yeah, was that him? Yeah, actually, all that. Yeah, paper, that's what, paper. Um, yeah, clip art. Um, that's his style. Like the that like you said that that's his. Yeah, he he does that. He has that kind of a. He's in fantastic. He does. Yeah. I wonder if uh, Terry Gilliam and Savage Steve Holland hang out. Oh, they'd be uh, very interesting people to make a movie. Because <laughs> they're very similar, it seems. Yeah. It seems Gilliam <laughs> has so a bit of the restraint that Savage doesn't. And also, just a <laughs> totally. side. And somehow goes more over the top. Oh, yeah. Uh, just a yeah. side note. Um, so, Williams was nominated uh, for this movie. Um, mm-hmm. But Hopkins for... Uh, for Silence of the Lambs is why he didn't win. God damn, that's tough. Yeah, I mean... it's Everyone else in the category he could have taken, I think. De Niro, Cape Fear, Nick Nolte, Prince of Tides, Warren Beatty, Bugsy. Oh, yeah. But Hopkins in that role, like, that's just way too iconic. Who was up for Best Supporting Actor that year? Because that's what he should have been nominated for, not the I agree, and he should have won that clearly because guess who won that? It's all of our Ooh, favorite uh, 1992 Oscar winner. It's Jack Palance for City Slickers. Fuck Oh, off. for City Slickers. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Which we, which we unanimously agree is a fucking throwaway. And the other guys yeah. nominated for the supporting is Tommy Lee Jones for JFK, Harvey Keitel for Bugsy, Ben Kingsley for Bugsy. Bugsy just got thrown up. And Michael Lerner for fucking uh, Barton Fink. I thought you were going to say Barton. Oh. <laughs> Barton, yeah, Barton Fink is good. I think Lerner is good there, but I think Williams could have taken. He it. would have trounced mm. all these categories. How did he? Yeah. How did he even get in that weird lead category? Because he clearly is not the lead. There's no reason There's why nothing. he's in that lead category. No, that's fucking weird that he was put in that category. But anyway, and Jeff Bridges should have also been nominated, but would have should not have beaten Silence of the Lambs. I mean, as much as I love his all of the like. There is not a false moment in this movie by mm-hmm. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, his character is so unlikable. He is egocentric. He is fucking like, uh, he's hot tempered. He's caustic. He, but as the movie goes on, you can start seeing him have empathy to like the homeless people, like the guy in the subway that's in the uh, wheelchair or 
the guy on the street in the road in the Central Park in the shit and the horse shit or whatever mm -hmm. who wants to yep. die by having a debutante step on him with her horse. Oh, yeah. Oh, a awesome. great line. That guy's amazing. That guy's so good in this. His singing act in, in the uh, the bank or wherever Amanda Plummer's character works is it, it's and if porn is good. Your like, thing. <clears throat> he's so fucking yeah funny. like everyone that scene is funny because the the rest of the people in the in the office like in most movies where they do that they'd have security dragging that person down and maybe that's the real thing that would happen but most of the people in that office were like smiling and watching because as strange as it was it was a good act yeah. I would have watched it, and I would have given some applause. But back <laughs> then, but back then, though, I think you know they even had birthday grams and stuff. Like I don't think anybody was thinking that that person was a security risk. And, and then when they got up on the desk, <laughs> it's too late now to be, you know, the one who takes them down, let them finish their show. I, I thought that worked so well. He, he's great. Oh, yeah. I love him he in is. this movie. That guy's so good. The casting in this um, is brilliant the whole way through. The whole way, yeah. Um, that's Michael Je uh, Michael Jeter. Um, yes, I've he was also in uh, the Green Mile as the the prisoner who uh, gets shocked with he's a water in, uh, sponge lots in their of Gillian's movies. He's in uh, Fear and Loathing too, as well. Yeah, yeah. What? So I mean, just one more second. Going back to Jack's like nars Jack's character, like his underlying psychological makeup, the narcissism, all that stuff. It it doesn't go away. No. In between the time when he when the shooting happens and he's and the three years that pass and he's in the movie store, that's what I really like. Is he's still a crazy narcissist? He just doesn't have a platform to stand on that 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 pushes that to be a good thing. So he still has to deal with all that crazy bullshit. I love that. It makes him so flawed, even though you feel some compassion because obviously showing his reaction to the news where he sees that the shooting happened, he knows that like shit went bad and i think he knows like to a certain extent it was his fault um which oh, is no. great he i also knows it's his fault he blames yeah. himself for it Holy. he does yeah, yeah. which has got to be weird for a narcissist right yeah. to, to have that fall from well grace. no but that also makes sense because once again as, as such a narcissist he feels like he affects the universe far more than he actually does and what i love about the difference between the beginning of the movie and like you said when he's at the video store is he hasn't changed, like you said. It's just that in the beginning, he's putting himself out there and wants to be seen. But then at, once that shit happens, he's hiding. He's the exact yeah. same person, but he's fucking hiding. He's hiding from the world. He's hiding from people. He doesn't want to be seen. And he just wants to drink. He's and it, it just makes it makes so yeah. much sense. And how he got hooked up with Mercedes rule doesn't even, doesn't even matter. Their relationship. Yeah. She clearly, she clearly is more in love with him than he is with her, and that attracts her to him. And yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's just great. It's, it's the setup so well uh, without setting things up. It just, it's all explained they give, visually. They give her character enough in terms of you know, like if you were described strong woman in touch with her emotions, knows what she wants, small business owner. That sounds like you know a powerful woman, but. You got to bring it down or not. She's like in a bad neighborhood or questionable neighborhood with a little movie store, right? Renting them. So she's not that much of a powerhouse. And she talks about her past and her life in enough ways that you're like, you can see how she would end up with him. She's brutally that, honest. That, she's brutally honest. It could have, that could have been a huge problem because like she might've seemed too good for him. And, and if he's such a drinker, but you don't worry about that because they set it all up the character so beautifully. She says she likes the devil. It. She says she likes the devil better than God. She even talks about that out loud. And it's in really <laughs> it's funny, charming humor. 
about how she's dated some saints and how boring they are. And Jack is not a saint by any fucking measure. But there's some times where he says stuff to her like uh, about um, paranoid narcissistic people wanting to get laid or whatever, where you see her shut down and she, she he crosses lines with her that he shouldn't cross and she lets him know. She doesn't let him get away with that, treating her like shit. And uh, even though she lets him stay, but she doesn't like take it. She's just like, fuck you. Yeah. She even hits him a couple of times for him to move his legs so she can get by. She like s- smacks him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just I just feel like the performance and the writing and the directing with her is all so good. She's great. Yep. Yep. So if I had any any questions for a character in this movie, it would be Amanda Plummer's character. Okay. Um, That's interesting. Lydia. 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 Just, Lydia. She's got so it's so interesting that she has many of the quirks and challenges that Perry has, right? Obviously they're very well suited because of the I don't know the right way to say this politically correctly, but um mental challenges. Um whether I don't know if it's disease or trauma, whatever you want to call it, but both of them have been through stuff and her her fluctuations from from mousy quiet to, you know, getting drunk and and being able to speak her mind and then going out to, to take care of Perry and falling in love with him and being okay that he's like in love with her after watching her from afar. <clears throat> um, I, I, if I were to think about more about her character and how she ended up where she is and where she ends up by the end of the movie, it's a, it's a pretty big arc and we spend the least time with her. Um, so I don't know. It's not that it doesn't fit or isn't good. It's it's interesting. I just um, that'd be I don't know. I'd have a couple of questions around. I find it around. Her. I find it very skillful the fact that they can give her such a dynamic character range, um, and have her so little in there. Like she's not mm. a big part of the movie. We really actually I think we get enough of her though to to get that. We see her in the bank. I get the feeling that she's not so much like like has mental problems as much as like she has just been beat down by the world kind of she's like kind of mousy i get the impression she probably had like a domineering parent when she was young like don't speak up know your place type of thing she fell into like a very uh administrative type of support role at work it looks like right um just leave her alone to do her just thing leave her alone to do See, her I, thing kind of also perry i thought perry I, following her around and stuff and also talking to her at the end of the movie give you so much about her character like she has the the patterns she has and like the things she likes and and like her her getting pushed back into the building and then like pushing her way back out like she she is she's a, a bit of a fighter right like she has to be a fighter oh yeah to get through life because yep. otherwise she wouldn't she wouldn't even be able to leave the house actually so she's point. got some fight yeah. in her that's a good point yeah yeah i like yeah, that I, yeah that's why so she's the I, bitch I just, yeah she to be a bitch <clears throat> Yeah, she pushes too yeah. far almost to the other side. She's not assertive. The only way she knows to approach those situations is with aggression. Yeah. <laughs> like she's got to like fight in the door or she's got to like when she goes to the video store to win her to win her thing. She's like, yeah, and then you're going to what? Then what? Like she's like always in their face, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's so good. Yeah. I'll, it's I, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I love sure. her performance in this too. Like, um, so... Throughout the movie, um, Jack, like, uh, he he changes uh, slowly and stuff. But 
What did you guys think of like the setup with Perry in the basement and the guy taking care of him and stuff? I thought that was all explained very well through the the building manager and stuff too. Oh yeah. Yep. That's that's How surviving. Good. That's like good exposition. <clears throat> yeah, it's great. Because yeah. it makes sense. You have questions, right? Where the hell is he living? Mm-hmm. How like, he It survive? looks like it's a confined space, and you know homeless people are struggling, right? Living in boxes under bridges in the camps that they set up. And here's Perry with this like nice setup. So that immediately is triggering, like, what's going on? And then they find a, a real interesting and non-offensive way to, to explain it that um, uh, gives us that reasoning and also more backstory on the characters without it being explained a lot. Yeah. That's how, I mean, that's how Jack finds out um, that he's like directly involved in this yeah. is through his discussions with that, with that. Um, yeah. And he starts doing some investigation and stuff into it. Cause he feel, goes to look for him. I have to feel like yeah. people would be more aware of this. Like when that guy says like this guy went in and shot his wife in front of him, that guy would know that that guy was brought by Jack that he was like an well, enraged three, three like radio fan. Ago. Three years isn't that far. If there was a big shooting event in our city, like we would all be yeah, aware of it true. for three years after. Especially if the guy was like, like growing up, there a was a huge jock. radio jockey in our town and he was nothing like a Howard Stern type, which this Jack is, right? This Jack is like a, is a phenom on the radio, right? Probably, probably exists beyond yeah. the boundaries of that city, probably national at least. So you got to think this story is a big story. So when that guy's talking to him about that, I feel like either knows and doesn't let on that he knows because what good does that do anyways? And he seems like a good man or he yeah. doesn't know, in which case I feel like probably he should have at least um, been aware. Not a, not a breaking his... point about anything, but I do feel no, like people tend all, to yeah. have these lapses in awareness of the, of the connection there. When it I should think based be based on his age, though, based on his age and the type of person he was, he he may not, you know, he may not be the type of person who like keeps up with True that story. type of stuff. Yeah, and it's New York. Yeah, I mean, big big city. Three years can do it. Like you maybe remember more of the murderer than the shock jockey. You kind of triggered yeah. it, um, especially if that shock jockey in his shades with slick back hair, always in a suit, and then all of a sudden this guy who looks like a homeless guy showing up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he didn't look but as the, good as his promo photos probably do in about three years previously. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's a scene early <laughs> after Jack and Perry meet um, where yeah, there's boots. a scene after Jack and Perry meet um, and uh, Perry knows Jack's name. He's like, I'm Jack. And Perry says, I know. But it they never get into whether or not Perry has connected the dots does he know really know who jack is or is he like only fantasy world i know who you are i'm on the holy grail quest and you're the chosen one right is that what he's thinking or does he know this is the guy that's part like they never talk about no, that they, they never, never settle it. it um so i don't know if um yeah that, that that's just interesting to me it's not something that you'd need to resolve or anyone would need to acknowledge because jack just wants to first save himself and then save perry um, and Perry is all about his quest and, and I don't know, like if you think of this as, um, I can't remember what Perry's original name was, but anyway, that guy existed until his wife had her fucking head blown off into his mouth, which is fucking intense and gross. Jello face, um, <clears throat> and then catatonics. And when he comes to now, he's this different person who completely rejects that other side of his life. I get the sense though, that by the end of this movie, um, like Perry's character wakes up out of a second catatonic state with 
um, uh, with Lydia there to take care of him. And now he's he's like received the okay to move on with his life as Perry. It's not like he's going to revert back to his original self. He's going to go forward as this new person. This has such a which, great... Which is fine. Which mid, is totally fine. And this movie has such a great midway point too because uh, when he thinks he's helped Perry and he, he's going back to his life and he's breaking up with his girlfriend and stuff, once he gets back to his old life and stuff, he fucking hates it. And uh, the great thing about midpoints in movies is supposed to be the character either gets what he wants and, it, and he doesn't like it or he tries and he fails and then he has to continue on. And in this case, it's great because he gets what he wants. He gets to be, you know, his old life back, his show back, his agent, his limo. Hot but he fucking friend. hates it. Yeah. But it and doesn't, he, runs away, he, he runs away, which is another thing I love. It's not that it doesn't work out or they fire him. It's that he can't even be in the room he's gotta make to the take decision. the job. He's he gonna runs. Make, yeah, yeah, it's his decision again. He's proactive character. I love when he leaves the room and that guy's like, is this another disappearing act? What's with this guy? <laughs> it's like, oh, no, he just had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but it's great because what do you guys think of that the show's about homeless people and how happy they are? <laughs> I love, I love that, that too. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that, that too. It's I, funny. It, I like the way that nice. the executives talk about it too, like uh, like that they would like to be homeless, which is such bullshit. They're like, homeless would be great. You know, you're free. You don't have responsibilities. That's what the show would be about. I'd like to be homeless. Yeah. It's like bullshit. <laughs> Fuck you. You know, this is so disingenuous. Well, it's interesting. So funny. This, this movie is such a commentary on the class system, right? Especially oh, yeah. in a city like totally. New York. Oh, yeah. And to see that the guys yeah. that are like, like he's like wealthy and successful and unhappy. And these guys are like homeless, have nothing, and totally happy. They're partying, um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just like it's interesting to see. It's like it's they're each in a side where you wouldn't think they would be, but they exist anyways. Um, despite what you might feel, right? Coming from your from your world view as as the top of the fucking uh, tower, there. It just seems uh, like yeah. um, it's it's I don't know. It's just interesting the way that they show them. Like even um, even Jeter is like. He's always happy at just about, except for that first scene when he's with Jack and the thing and he's like, he's destitute and laying over his lap and like, it's almost like a romantic embrace scene. and he's talking to Jack about everything. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, man. It's the, the most endearing people in this movie are the homeless people, which yeah. is hard to say because like Mercedes and that are like, uh, are honestly like lovable characters and you seriously root for them and cheer for them. But I think there's something about the have-not status of the homeless people and their joy despite um, that makes me yeah. really cheer for that whole side of this movie big time. You're totally right about, once again, it's so timely. Once And maybe that's always going to be timely, but the, the class system themes that are going on in this movie. Also, I also feel like we were talking about how her business and her the location stuff shitty. I actually feel like, and I, they, she never says it and they never show it, but I feel like Mercedes Rule is really proud of her business and proud to be, yes. owns a video store. Well, she and should she's be. she's proud yeah. yep. to be a, an independent businesswoman without ever saying it. And I think when you the reason, when you see that is when he's trying to give shit, shit away for free. 100%. Like, I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. Like she's, yeah. she's just like, you're not going to give my business away for free. This is my fucking business. You know, like she takes it seriously, which I really like too. I, I think it's yeah. great. And, and and like the whole stuff with the pornography, like she even takes it seriously when she's helping that guy search for a fucking pornography. And she, she really yeah. helps. She really wants to help him find the best porn. Like, yeah, that's just so great about her character. Like she, she, 
She's she's got uh she's proud. She's a proud woman. Yeah. Yeah. She's a she's it's a yeah. strong so she's actually she's actually a strong female character and for the 90s I feel like oh, that's a big that's time. not a common occurrence. No, this is a fucking home run for for her uh in and the character and and women and stuff. Like this is a great This is like a this is yeah, like an probably. Ellen Ripley strong character. She's just not fighting aliens. She's fighting yeah. um, the Ellen, world. It's, yeah, that's it's another great, great example. There's so few. The sad, sad thing is that that we, we get so excited when we see these examples because there's so few good examples of, of strong women characters. Yeah, it's most so times just few. men writing women and they're not doing a good job because they're like always trying to yeah, yeah. Totally. come from some perspective. It's, it's a shame that it needs to be that way. It doesn't need to be that way, but that yeah. it is that way. Yeah, um, I find that that's changing though. There's more of an understanding, and things are getting. It is, better. but whenever, whenever I'm going on these sites to pitch screenplays and stuff like this, ev- almost every single person in their description says looking for movies with strong female characters. Every fucking person that's looking for spec scripts, yeah, is looking for female characters that are good. So yep. you can see that the industry is pushing for it, but nobody's providing it. Sucks. It does kind of suck. Yeah, but this movie is fucking a beautiful example of that. And she's really the only... Well, no. And Lydia is a strong character, too. Both the fucking female characters in this. Lydia is I quirkier. I don't, I don't find her particularly as a strong female character. Well, she's a fighter, though. We said she's a fighter, and she can be a bitch. She's a fighter, but I feel like that's more reactionary than like what I would expect personally as a strong She's female obviously character. not like Mercedes Rules, but even when her and Robin Williams, which is one of my favorite scenes, when she, she uh, and she's going back home with him and she thinks they're going to have sex, her whole speech is also so great where she like goes through the whole relationship and she decides to not go she's like because she's gonna feel like shit afterwards and he she like she's been used by so many guys just to guys to just have sex yeah i don't know didn't she tell mercedes that she had like never done the relationship thing so i got the sense she's never been with a dude no no she's never a guy's never been in a relationship she said she she goes through what basically all of the last sexual encounters with him thinking it's going to be the same he's going to come have sex with uh, her i thought leave in the morning and she's never going to see him again so she wasn't in relationships but she's been getting used by men see i took this in a different way i took that to be her telling the story of what she assumes is the course of things because she's heard other people talk about their broken relationships and what happens or saw it on tv or movies and so she was just reciting the path it takes. This happens and then this happens and then this and then you leave and then we never see each other again. And you never call. Mm. That's how I, the, interesting that, that, that we can interpret because I was pretty sure she told uh, Mercedes Rules character. Um, she said she's never been through a uh, dating Anne. period. <clears throat> and she's right. like, it's disgusting. But so I took that to mean, yeah, well, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right that she's had one night stands and that's how it goes. But um, I feel like she's uh, been used by a lot of men and they don't stick around. And she was going to go through it just to feel good for one night. But then she said, but then I'm going to feel like a small piece of shit tomorrow. Like when you don't call and stuff it's like once again, yeah. it's so heartbreaking and stuff. And then I love I love when he turns it around. Now, the one thing, though, what do you guys think of the stalking? And him admitting, confessing to the stalking. I mean, I think it works, but... It's only something that her character could find endearing. And like, you can tell she struggles with it as he's telling her. But then he's, I don't know, the the way he goes on and for for, for normal... I don't mean this in a bad way, but if normal people 
had that connection and then the the girl or the dude said i've been stalking you and i love you like that would be hard <laughs> stop or done yeah. but for her <clears throat> for her it she actually so i think cute. she actually she actually took it as his his commitment which i think is the biggest reason why she ends up caring for him because She's like, he was watching over me this whole time, and it's I, I owe, owe it back it. to him. It's the way he expresses it and stuff, but also, like, I think they get away with it in this movie, too, because he is mentally, a very men- seriously mentally ill homeless person, and he's not, like, some dude who's coming out of the office, you know, who's got a wife and a kids, and he stalks some random person at his office or something. Like, he, this is his daily routine. Like, this is, this is his... Uh, how he gets through his days is he follows her yeah. fantasizes about being in a relationship with her and he the only thing so and i think we all kind of mentioned this the only thing that bothers me in this movie that my number one thing and i never noticed it until i watched it this recent time was when he interacts uh perry interacts with mercedes rules character when jack's getting him a suit and he is very flirtatious with her not even very flirtatious he offers to have sex with her he starts taking his dick out. Yeah, he starts taking off his pants and stuff. And I thought that that was very Robin Williams, but not very Perry. I felt like it was Robin Williams doing a bit on a fucking, uh, on a on Jay Leno or, you know, whatever. That's what that felt like to me. And I felt like that could have been removed. You're, he could have been looking some at of her it cleavage. Stayed. Her cleavage was coming out. He kept peeking at it. And I think that, that would have been enough. But if you would have caught it there... Then I would have felt better. But then he kind of goes into his Robin Williams, like my orb into your whatever and stuff. And yeah. I would have just felt sticks out. To I me. don't I don't disagree that it feels a touch uh, much, but I do find that it does seem on par with Perry's character. If you look at like look at the Central Park scene where he strips naked and is dancing around and shaking his ass and stuff like he is uh, uninhibited, he, he's uninhibited. He's excitable. He's he's um he's got this really interesting sense of humor and i find that that scene i don't find that scene to be sincerely propositional i find it to be it's it's him having fun with it like because he's He's even just like unbuttoning the front of his pants and like let's do it now on the table like jack's right there and you can see even jack is like thinks it's a joke right it's it's to me he doesn't care yeah Yeah. to me it was it, it was obvious just perry being perry and um and that's why even Mercedes, like kinda you see her smile too. Like it's it's I don't disagree it yeah. could go, but I don't find it as a huge break. I, I just I it's, I don't think it's his sense I don't think I see you see his sense of humor. Like when he talks about bowel movements and the fat little people and stuff, I don't think he, he's not joking there. But like you said, this is clearly him doing a routine or a bit. And I just don't see him doing that anywhere else in the movie. And like I said, it feels very like a stand-up comedian type thing. It's true. It's the it's and the, it's Robin it's Williams. The way it's the, all Robin Williams. It's the way the humor shakes out, right? Like if 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 you were friends with a couple, and it, you were over at their place, and the woman was like, "Oh my God, this guy's never gonna get tied down." Oh well, how well, you were so beautiful. You should have. Well, you're you know he doesn't. Well, I will mount you here on the table, my lady, and jump up on the table and pretend like that's something a group of three close-ish friends would do. At that time, I think that like Mercedes uh, Rules character had just met yeah, um, Perry. Yeah. Like so, so it seems a little bit over the top, and you can see from her character's reaction at first, she's like she thinks it's funny and then it seems like it went a little too far <clears throat> it, it's it's just an, it's an interesting moment um i would say i would take more more issue with the the same two punks 
um, uh, who stab really? and beat yeah. Perry, being the same two guys at that that ran into Jack at the start that Perry had to fight off. It somehow is a full circle thing because, like, being at that part under the bridge is a is a full circle moment for the film to to come back to where we kind of started. Yeah. So I under like the the location though isn't what bugged me. It's that it was those two guys who Robin Williams like chased off and they looked like they were crying. Although they were super jazzed that to show up in the car with body. cans of gas, the right? Yeah, and the other guy. The guy had been shot by an arrow. It stuck in him. Uh, did it? Was it? No, it, no, was, it, was, it was. It a looked like it cup. had a foam tip. A or something. It doesn't stick on clothes. Let's be honest. I know. Use the suction cup. They another... barely stick on walls. I know, but that was a suction cup. It was on his balls, and he pulled it off. Like I, I'm not saying it yeah. should have stuck. I'm just saying it did. It was movie yeah. magic, or whatever you want to call it. But that guy, so that would be like the two of the three of us going out and doing that as buddies. And then I ditch one of you guys and jump in my vehicle and drive off and leave you in the middle of fucking nowhere with a bunch of homeless people. That's what that guy did. He fucking yeah. left his friend. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's yeah. the hugest break in them coming back as a couple dudes because you wouldn't fucking forgive your friend. Yeah. You wouldn't be like, I'm not I going never back trust my friend to again. homeless yeah, guys. You took off the last you. time. The thing that yeah. the thing, they're also the thing to me that doesn't make a huge deal about it being the same two guys is when they come the first time they say like what are you doing in our neighborhood like they establish yeah. that that's their territory that's their spot they do so they probably yep. actually like come there under a drink that looks like the kind of place where you'd go to drink with your buddy and just like hang yeah. out there and so when they see them they're like grab the nunchucks or whatever fucking stupid weapon they bring out. And then uh, let's beat this homeless guy because apparently that's something. Well, they got a lot do. of gasoline though, too. Yeah, Jones, they right? got that's a lot. They were re- they were ready. They were ready to burn some people alive. Like that seems to be a hobby of theirs, which I guess does kind of fit that they're around patrolling to do that. But I don't know. The feeling I got th- the first time um, was that uh, you know once they get beaten off and they run away like little they scared beaten off. biatches. The fact that they come back like with knives and then they just get right back to the stabbing and the beating. There's something there that makes, you know, I guess those characters don't need to be too deep so they can be like mustache twirlers. They really only have like two minutes of screen time. Um, They're just a device. I don't know how else I don't know how else you would have done it to have Perry um, get get stabbed and, and th- thank the Red Knight for finally like getting him because that seems to be a moment of passage too, a moment of. Um, his character like taking the next step in his recovery which is that the the thing he's been running from the whole time finally catches up to him and he maybe faces his faces his death faces his mortality by getting stabbed and and beaten as bad as he is um well i think he he welcomes it at that point he can't stand being he can't stand being pursued anymore by this demon yeah like well like the doctor said and like they show very clearly is that he he had a complete re-experiencing of the event like that he'd been blocking out and it put him back into the coma like what he said the guy said it wasn't the beating that put him in the coma like he's had a fucking psychotic break that was that catatonic state right that's like a whole different thing because his eyes are open like he's he's there he's just there's no one fucking at the wheel because there's that great scene at the end where where jack is falling is falling asleep on his lap after he's gotten him the grail which is not the grail but that's so funny yeah. and he sits up and jack doesn't move but he's awake and he says is it okay if i miss her now and then jack doesn't even respond and he says thank you and then he yeah. like lays down it's like so yeah. such so quick well it's a nice and, scene and too. Yeah. like it says everything it needs to without having unnecessary dialogue from bridges 
like just showing yeah, his exactly. face and you've got that he upshot where you see Bridges on his lap and then you see Williams above yeah. him. Williams is kind of having like a come to God moment where he's like, he's evolving through some of that, that crisis and he's like starting to experience like a little bit of healing. And then you could see Bridges is also healing in that moment just with he's like crying. His, he's yeah. crying. Yeah. It's close up of him crying is so good. And then it, it's great. The next, and also the next scene, you, once again, no dialogue. It's uh, him and him and Perry having the the whole ward sing the song, yeah. And mm-hmm. you can see how happy, you. and you can see how happy Jack is to have his friend back, and yeah. he's so happy to have his friend back. And then Lydia shows up, but there's never any dialogue about like thanks for getting me the Grail. Oh no, pro-. like that have been terrible. I know. Well, and that's I like know. you said earlier too. That that is very much the culmination of the of the want versus need for Bridges, right? Like what he yeah, wants the whole movie, and then what he needs, he gets there, and that kind of that right. kind of makes him whole. Fucking he did something yeah. selfless. It wasn't he'd already yeah. gotten back his old life, so he wasn't he wasn't trying to get something. He was trying to do something for someone else. I like that. I like to think that he didn't answer Perry when Perry says, "Can I? Can I? Is it okay that I miss her now?" Because he knows it's that's not for him to answer. He's, yeah. he's he's done what he could to help this guy recover from a situation that he was kind of responsible for causing and so he's just like that's why I, that's why the tear is that at that moment he's like it's over yeah. I did it I did what I needed to do this guy can now move on with his life he's got his grail he's gonna forgive he's he he, he can like deal with the you know mourn his wife properly now and move on to the next phase of things even if it is as this new this and, new person Perry then, but I, I get the sense he can recover and then they're both laying in the they're both laying in the park nude doing the cloud busting and I love the, there's just a little bit of dialogue where where the cloud starts moving and Jeff Bridges is like hey see that cloud did I do that and then Perry goes it's the wind what are you crazy yeah <laughs> that's just awesome and then they have the big the big pan up from them to the city skyline and then the fireworks and then they have that old the end thing in the sky mm-hmm. it's yeah. very once again fairy tale old hollywood like this movie mixes um has a really great mix of fantasy fairy tale and old hollywood style filmmaking like that old yeah dramatic big movie it has a big feel to it even though it's not that big of a story i wonder how much um gilliam thought about this or was drawn to this because of the holy grail kind of backdrop uh having done his own monty Python. like this is just such a different take on a i won't even say i mean similar story in that there is a grail mentioned um in the monty yeah, python story very, much no. very 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 different but yeah, I wonder what that was like for him um, to to kind of handle this this story, this approach twice in such about polar opposite ways. I mean, flat out from being like a, a full on horror thriller, maybe it would be another spec what end of the spectrum you could go to with a story like this. Has to have been a consideration. So right? Like he at least had to have thought about it. Like, oh, how fun would this be? Also, this yeah. right, this screenwriter has a really interesting career. So this was the second movie he ever got produced. Which holy fuck, man! Your second movie, you get this cast, this director, and yeah. this kind of uh, fucking result. It's amazing. But you know what he what he wrote next? The Ref with uh, Kevin Spacey and Dennis uh, Leary. Dennis, Dennis Leary. Leary. That was his oh next screenplay. Is Kevin Spacey in the Ref? Yeah, Kevin Spacey is one of the, the husband. Up. And uh, uh, 
What's her and, name? And that Benning is his wife. Oh, oh no, Judy what? Davis. It's Judy Davis's okay, wife. Yeah. Sorry, but she kind of looks like Annette Benning. That's my bad. Hilarious. Uh, he also wrote the Bridges of Madison County. He adapted that. The Horse Whisperer. Um, I mean, he ha- he's still writing today, this guy. And uh, the best story I heard about this screenplay was it, he, it was a totally original screenplay he came up with because he was in, I think, New York City. And he saw a homeless guy talking to a businessman in a suit and they seemed to be friends. They were hanging out. And he was just like, what is, how, how do these two people know each other and why are they friends? And so that's what he came up with, which is genius, to be honest. Like genius. Yeah. <laughs> He deserves. Did he win uh, the screenplay award for this? Probably not. I bet no, he was nominated. It was Silence of the Lambs one. Yeah, he was nominated for best original screenplay. Yeah, this was Silence of the Lambs one. Oh yeah, that was adapted though. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because it was a book. So something else must have beaten him. Well, fuck. Yeah, he's a great writer. This is a great script. I love some of the other surreal moments. The dancing, um, the dancing scene, and. in the train station. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. It's just the Grand Central Terminal, um, and the, the big waltz is happening. It's it's like, it's surreal, but it, it just, it works. That's a great scene, too. Lots of great And the way they start and stop the dancing as part of, like, I don't know, there's some real neat little tricks in there. Um, yeah. It, it lends to what we were all talking about, about, about it being fantasy. And once again, a lot of these problems that we are talking about, and there's definitely some issues in this movie, you, they get washed over by that fantasy feel that this isn't like supposed to be, you know, taken like so literally. It is very grounded movie too as well though, but, but there is this fantasy element are mad there's magic or in the air or something it's it's great yeah yeah it's a it's an it's a knight's tale to to yeah to the night stuff it. but All but it is completely stuff. grounded it is it, that, that's <laughs> why i like it this is the kind of like mashup movie that you really like to see where it leans heavily in one direction of being like a grounded serious movie with with some dark comedy but a lot of drama and a lot of like dealing with murder and, and mental illness and things it, like that. It's but, super but tough. totally to the backdrop of a fantasy adventure. Super tough, it, it though, because think about the tone to keep that balanced. Like, yeah, totally. it, it's it's so delicate for you to go one way or the other too much, right? Like, just a just a bit too silly and you're off, right? Yeah. It's, it, it it's also really well done. It also allows me to enjoy, enjoy um, Jack breaking into that guy's house by... He has to climb the tower... You know, with his yeah. grappling rope or whatever, and he, he has to like up ascend. And clothes. And <laughs> he wears Perry's yeah. armor. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. He wears yeah. dons his own armor. It's ah oh man, that little touch. Yeah, it's um, great. Just makes it more personal. And then you know what else is? Um, you could you could maybe think of a few different ways, or if it wasn't handled right, that when he's stealing the Grail, that the the old man like had just decided to off himself with pills, and then. Jack can do the other the other noble deed, which serves two great purposes. One is he can walk out the fucking front door instead of having to climb down, climb down that rope again and deal with like putting his life at risk. But he also saves that guy's life, mm-hmm. um, which is another like kind of noble deed in the middle of his. Oh um, yeah, he does. Yeah, he because he sets of off the theft. alarm. Yeah, yeah, which it's it's just a nice little like nightly thing to hero. do. It shows his care. Yes, exactly, and and selfless. Yeah. Like yeah. he could, he could have stole more. He could have left that guy to die and then taken his time in his house and then left the way he came and no one would have known. Saying something. 
Yep. Yeah. He just takes the grail. And he also finds out that it's not the grail. And it's and some does shitty, it anyway. It's like a shitty award. Trophy. But he needs to take it, though, because he needs it. Like, that, he does have to take that to prove to Perry that he did it. So, so it's yeah. okay that he takes it. So, Perry's little fat, uh, mystical, invisible people told him that Jeff Bridges was the guy. Jeff Bridges yeah. turns out to actually be the one. So, yeah. are the fat little people invisible and real? Yeah, especially <laughs> since they told Perry where to look in the magazine to find the grail. 100%. I love when, when yeah. Perry challenges... So, Perry challenges Jack's uh, rantings and then Jack says it's the fat little people and Perry's like, are they here? Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking great. I That's do like love that. one of the best lines. Jack keeps talking aloud when he gets upset or intense and then, then you can see Perry looking at him and just being like, who are you talking to? And then it's like, who's crazy person here? Yeah. I love all that. It happens like two or three times and Jack is finally like, the little people. He's like, are they here? It's so good. And uh, so I good. I love the I love the date um, when they when they get set up. We we haven't talked about the fan. We have I mentioned it, but the fantastic scene between Mercedes Wool and a man and a plumber. They're like oh, yeah. there's the conversation, and they're she gets her drinking. I think they're drinking tequila shots. Yeah, and you see how loose she gets when she like she like spreads her legs and puts her hands between her dress and like slides onto the floor. That's why I feel like. There's a sexuality in that scene to Amanda Plummer. Like I don't, th I definitely don't think that she's innocent when it comes to that. That's wh why I get that feeling later when she's talking to Perry that those are stories from her past and not something she saw. Because yeah, she does have a bit of a sexuality to her when she loosens up and she starts drinking. And Amanda, they're smoking cigarettes. It's so funny, like. <laughs> How they get so comfortable with one another and so honest with one another. And she talks about her mom and her mom's expectations and the phone calls and yeah. stuff. Oh, I love all yeah. of that stuff. It's so... It, she, both of the women are so honest in this movie. They don't lie. They, they're, they're brutally honest. And they let it yeah. all show. Yeah, I love the dinner scene too, where Jeff oh Bridges God, is constantly, yes. constantly like surprised and terrified at Amanda Plummer's behavior. Yes. And by the end of it, they just lean back in their chair and like, could two people be more made for each other? And they're like, what the fuck is happening? Well, per <laughs> Perry, Perry mirrors her to make her yeah. feel comfortable, which is so endearing as well as he, he acts as a he acts as a mirror to her behaviors. And he's also seen her behavior so much before from he stalking knows. her that he knows exactly her what she's going to do. Mm. Totally. Yeah. With totally. the with the noodles and where she's like rubbing her nose with the back of her hand because they're spicy. Oh, that's know. so gross and, and funny at the same time. And he's not the the other thing that that you get is that he's not doing it to trick her to make her fall in love with him. He's doing it because he finds it endearing about her and he wants to like if she he I think his thinking would go something like if she ever felt bad that she can't handle a dumpling, I'm going to make her feel better for that by me not being able to handle dumplings too. Yeah. And so he you can see he's so you 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 end up looking at her but on a if you rewind and look at him, he's actually like seeing anticipating her troubles 
with the dumplings and then being like, whoops. And like, it's so obvious. <laughs> yeah, but he's so, doing it makes it, really it cute obvious. and endearing. He's doing it for the right reasons, using all his of his creepy stalkerish yeah, knowledge. She and, the glass, and, he like throws his on the ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And then yeah. they're, do, they're moving. She yeah. starts moving the things to organize them. Like she discussed, she has some OCD and then he starts moving things and then they, they can't stop. They're, they're working like on almost it, yeah. fighting each other. Uh, yeah. It's and I love the song he sings because because at the beginning of the song you think it's kind of silly but then it starts to get almost romantic or it starts to get become serious and beautiful but then the last line is Michael Jackson and then it becomes funny again so yeah. so that whole song moves and like has different beats to to that and the cameras that pulling song back. is very Robin and, Williams yes yep. and then you see you see all of the uh, people waiting waiting they're they're waiting for them to fucking leave but yeah. they're kind of enjoying the song they're like smoking a cigarette with a backwards chair and listening and and observing them and stuff it yeah. it's yeah. it's just great it's just like everyone's a part of this intimate dinner it's neat it sure is neat la 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 go we la, la. Shall we? Shall we call it? Anyone have anything else they want to say before we get into the calling of the movie? I don't think so. I no. think we really the calling. covered it. Who wants to go first? Brent, you want to take us home? I'll go. Uh, yeah. I think that this movie definitely holds up. Um, it just about holds up on the strength of the chemistry between the characters alone. Like the casting on this and then the acting quality is so strong. Um, we've talked about this with other movies, but I feel like the script could have been less and the directing could have been less. And these people are so competent and skilled. I think that they would have kept this movie going. Um, Bridges, one of my favorite ever fucking Robin Williams, of course. Right. Mercedes rule. I mean, you know her less, but she's obviously a very gifted actress. Um, and then Amanda Plummer, honey bunny, baby. The, uh, honey bunny. She doesn't, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't do a ton but everything that she does is fucking glorious and super endearing so um i found that this movie was super enjoyable to watch i love terry gilliam because he's fucking super odd and i i love all that stuff like i think i'm the only one of the three that actually enjoys fear and loathing in las vegas um it's (laughs) he's got a very unique style and he's got a very unique kind of approach to to cinema and i found that this movie actually is the best of the best of that for him I like the whole like uh, relationship between like New York, like like Colin said that story that Colin told me was he told me that story before I'd ever watched this movie about how the writer thought of the concept, and I just find that to be such like an honest, um, such an honest approach to movie making to just see like a real life scene, and then he built this like fantastic story around it, and it's I fucking I really like this movie man I I, uh, I want to show everyone that hasn't seen it and I want to watch it with them and then I want to watch them while they watch it because it's got so many fucking cute and clever parts and it's such a rush from the beginning to end it's like a full emotional uh, landscape so uh, holds yep. up I dig it someone else talk someone else talk now I'll take it I mean this movie's over two hours let's not forget that um, which doesn't is usually doesn't feel it though at all it's it, 217 it, 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 doesn't it doesn't at all um from the setup where they just throw you into uh jack lucas's character and set him up so beautifully and then bring him down from grace within the first 10 minutes of the movie it's this movie is a um 
uh, this is like a master class in structure, especially if you're going to be getting over the two hour mark, because as the longer the movie gets, you're going to need more for the audience to identify with, to buy into, to get excited, to, to want to see the resolution for all the different characters. And this, this movie does it so well. It definitely holds up. Uh, it, this is, this will be timeless. Um, I don't know. I guess you could even call this a period piece because it's, um, yeah. for where it's set in the neighborhood with the way things are, it, it's just this perfect little snapshot of, of late eighties, early nineties. Um, and it's so funny to see, not funny, but it's, it's so eye opening to see that some of the same, that, that the whole shock jock, what, you know, what those people are saying on the news. I, I do really kind of like that they never get into the three years in between when Jack falls from grace, because, they could have done like lawsuit. They could have done all this crazy shit. And they, this movie does it a few times. They do it so well where they just skip over things because you don't need to see it. You just see, need to see where we end up and you can fill in the, the little bits there. Mm-hmm. So obviously I, I would say that Jack's, you know, Jack's character or yeah, Jeff Bridges character, Jack took it really hard and, and more fell apart from his own, um, his own, his inability to deal with what happened rather than he was fired and, and, you know, fell from grace that, that way externally, it was his own, that's the sense I get. It was his own undoing. Um, and, um, there's, there's other scenes like where, uh, Mercedes rule character, uh, and, um, meets, uh, Perry for the first time. You, you never see them meet. He's in the video store with them and they're arranging for Amanda Plummer's character to come and get her free membership. So they just skip over it all because you don't need it. I think Colin at the time was like, oh, hi, this is Perry. Hi, Perry. This is Anne. Okay, great. You've met. Like, let's go out for a coffee. Like, fuck all that. They're there. They've obviously met. They're obviously like, let's get to the good shit. Um, and boy, oh boy, do we ever. Um, it's it's a nice, it's a heartfelt story. Like at the end of the day, it's, it's super intense. Like... The, 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 how graphic they get with showing the murder of, of uh, Robin Williams' original fiance or wife is like, I wondered if it was like over the top, but it, it fits. It fits. You need that shock value to really hammer home exactly how bad it was um, for him. And the way they build up the tension uh, with all that happening in the, in the scene in, in the bar um yeah, the way they tie all the knots together, there's nothing left open. I'm not asking any questions at the end of the day. The couple of tiny little missteps are more of a personal preference of mine. I wouldn't even, I don't even think this movie has speed bumps. It's its so good. It's its so good. This is a, a timeless classic as far as I'm concerned. So 100% holds up, would watch regularly. This There'd be something new to get from this movie at every time. And you just smile. You end up smiling. Um, the, the, the dude's lying naked in Central Park. It's like, what more do you want? What more do you want than Robin Williams' cock? <laughs> we shall name him Danglor. <laughs> what do you got, Colin? Yeah, Robin Williams is brave in this movie. Uh, he uh, He's always fearless, though. And he's yeah, hairy this, as fuck. He's very hairy. This... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we couldn't tell. Is... We couldn't tell if he had dirt or hair on his knuckles. We were like, "Is that dirt? <laughs> is that hair?" It's be both. <laughs> I think it was both. Uh, yeah, sure, it's both. Because <laughs> um, they they do make him filthy. I mean, that's the one other thing about this movie that I don't think any of us have mentioned yet. And just from you saying that brought brought to my mind is it's gritty. Like the homeless people are filthy and dirty. His basement is disgusting. When Jack gets drunk, and you see him like the makeup, and he's oh, he's sweaty, and his clothes are disgusting. And like the the cuts on his face and stuff, like there's just little details of like 
of his injuries and stuff throughout the movie. Uh, like, it feels very, like, grounded once again and real. Like, these people are not, their clothes haven't just been washed and pressed. Um, the sets and the way he directs it, um, like, New York City, it's very dirty. It's a very, the places they hang out are not, you know, on Wall Street or in nice places. Like, it's it's great. It's got a real texture to it. This, like, the, the more we watch these movies and talk about them and stuff, the more I see the importance of great characters. If you have great characters that, that the audience will follow through like a wall of fire, that is all you need. You just need great characters that people wanna wanna follow and wanna see where they're going. Like that's the number one thing you should be doing if you're writing screenplays, TV shows, whatever, just great characters that are motivated, that are doing things like like this whole thing starts off with with something that happens to him and he makes a choice to go down the toilet and then he makes a choice to redeem himself and and yeah jack's character is not a great guy he's not even a great guy in the beginning in the beginning of the movie he's a pompous fucking asshole yeah yeah like a real dick this yeah it's really yeah this is probably going to go on my top 10 list now i think this has got to be like top 10 best movies for me you talk my about this movie anyway. so often throughout time yeah i it's gotta I steal be your so top much 10. i read i read the screenplay of this movie all the time the other great thing is how short when you when, when i look at screenplays now i see i see the patterns and stuff this movie has such short scenes like the scene where he's sitting on the floor and he's listening to tapes and she comes in there's like five or six lines of dialogue, but he starts crying, and then he says, "I just want to, why? I just want to be able to pay the fine and go home. Like, when can I do that That's or whatever?" That's such a good line. That's it such is, a good and line. then she just goes, drops her knees, and she holds him and stuff. And it's the first time you see his vulnerability, and he he lets himself be vulnerable in front of her, and it means so much to you and the character. Like you feel for him. And you understand why he feels that way. Like the, the motivation and everything is all set up in this movie so perfectly. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience, this movie, to watch. And if you haven't seen it yet um, oh, and you're listening to the ready. podcast, it's it doesn't even matter. Like we haven't ruined it. Trust me. it's You'll love it. Yeah. I just figured out something. Uh, Tom Waits, the um, singer, songwriter um, guy, he is the homeless veteran um, that no uh, Jack sits down with, and they ha- they start to have this conversation next to the shoe shining thing. I think it is it's a great conversation. And Tom Waits starts spitting out some like wisdom and knowledge from his life. I wish I could remember more of the exact what is said because this is such a small little scene. And then just as he's finishing up his story, he says something like "out of left field, batshit crazy," just to bring us <laughs> back to the reality. A noise, that- doesn't he start going woo woo? He goes, he goes, he goes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he what, what he's talking about is that he is, uh, he's a stopgap for people for that want to quit their job and stab their boss. And then they see him and they're like, he's like, stop, do not do that. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Cause nobody wants, he's like, I got my legs. I don't live on the street or whatever. So, you know what? I'm going to kiss my boss's butt or whatever. Um, yeah. moral stopgap or something like that. I can't, I can't exact, it's great dialogue. And once again, it, 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 it's very relatable to anybody watching the movie who we all, we all do our jobs and we all sometimes feel the way he's talking about. Yep. And, uh, and so once again, it's so relatable. Um, fuck, this movie is just very, very relatable. The characters and everything they're going through and the themes. 
Yeah, the, the struggle is real. I just, I can't tell you enough how much I love it that, that, that Jack takes actions to fix his problem, but he does it for the wrong reasons and he doesn't grow and change. And he yeah. realizes that. And so then he does what he needs to do in order to grow and change, which is yeah. what he's been fighting the whole time is fuck your grail. I'm not, we're not going to do that. I'm definitely not helping you with that. And 100% then, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, no, th- this guy is like my friend and uh, he's become my friend and I care about him and I need to see him like happy. He talks himself, I need to undo. He, he talks himself into it. Well, he's a boy. Yeah. And well, because Perry can't respond. Yeah. And so he talks, he negotiates with himself. And it's so funny. He says, because Kerry can't respond, he talks himself into it. It's, yeah. be- it's because <laughs> all the times that he's trying to fix Perry, he's trying to fix him with what he thinks he, what he thinks Perry needs. Like money or he's, yeah, he's money but it, and, but it's, and all this stuff. But the it's for himself. And all that stuff, right? Yeah. It's all for himself. He, try, he's he like, tries that. He's like, he's like projecting <laughs> his own needs on Perry. But at the end, when he finally gives in and he um gives perry what perry needs that's when he gets what he needs also and it's, it's super, right and it's super so smart it's right yeah. because and it's so funny because perry's been shouting out loud that he wanted that the whole time and jack was not listening to he's him. just tuned out he's just yeah. doing his own yeah he's doing like you it's said true. what he thinks he should be doing what what he thinks perry should get like you know, I wondered, hot, hot meal or whatever. I know. What does he give him? Like fifty bucks, and, and then he's going to give him some change. Seventy at the end. Seventy, right? And, and then a, a handful change. of change. <laughs> For his which wife. I also, I also love the Perry gives that away to someone who needs it more because he's like, "What am I going to do with money?" Um, oh, I like how he offers to take him to lunch. <laughs> I, even, <laughs> Buy him lunch I even with the money you gave him. Yeah, I'm, lunch, I'm, I'm buying. Yeah, <laughs> I I was even thinking back to the fact that uh, Jack says to Perry when he's in the coma, he's like, I, I, like I want to do this for you because you're my friend. And I was thinking, is that should he have said that out loud or should he have just done it to show? But I think I think that that Jack could actually say those words out loud was important. So it wasn't explain a log. It was it was him continuing to argue and convince and rationalize himself into going to do it for the right reasons and and for that reason i i loved it yeah and the performance is so good i mean a worse actor may have oh my god can you think of can you think of all the the way the the emotion the actors had to show the things they say the way they do the way they react to each other this could have went very very badly this movie could have been a fucking hot mess of garbage and it ends up being it ends up being I mean, as far as a, a two-hour-plus movies go, this would—if it wasn't in your top ten overall—for um, for, two-hour-plus movies, this is like def- would definitely be up there. This is just yeah. a, a masterclass in that, it, and it never feels. I've seen it many times, and there's never a time I've watched this where I ever felt it was too long. No. I ever felt they should have cut things. Even the things that I mentioned that you could have cut would have been like thirty seconds. They would, yep. they, and I, I wouldn't have suggested they cut them for time because this movie does never feet drags and feels like it, it, time is a consideration. It's true. And when we take our detours from the main story of healing, it's with interesting people doing interesting things that the go- make like me the guy care about sings, them more. The, guy the restaurant scene, the-, the singer, all of the homeless people that we get exposed to. It, it just, it all matters. Um, I love the, end the, of the scene day. too <laughs> where... He's taking him up. Jack's taking the singing guy up to the, to the, in the elevator. And that guy keeps touching him and, and putting his arm around Jack and stuff. And Jack yeah. doesn't, Jack, he kind of shrugs and stuff, but he never gets mad. And he, he, 
the, the guy makes a joke and he even smiles and he's like, I made you smile. It's all I wanted. And, <laughs> and Jack likes him. <laughs> yeah. Jack should not like that guy, but he <laughs> likes him a lot. It's true. That guy's, that guy's great. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yep. So look, here you go. You got to get out there and watch this freaking movie. It's a good fucking movie. Uh, I love doing ones like this. This is great. I didn't think this would be a surprise. I had an I had a suspicion it would hold up, but I I did not know um, that it would be this great. Um, so, the Fisher King. Three thumbs up. Go do it. Love it. Holds up. Um, and get ready for the next Holy Grail movie in the list. Search for the Holy Grail actually has it in the title. Obvious. Oh shit! Yeah, that's so funny. I didn't even. That's so dumb that I didn't realize that both movies are both the Holy Grail. Both <laughs> of them were directed by Gillian. Yeah. That's hilarious too. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing like a whole Holy Grail theme. I guess we're gonna have to find <laughs> some more Holy Grail movies for the next, the next couple of weeks. Well, we've already yeah, done. We, can. Uh, we already did Indiana Jones, didn't we? Ah, that shit, is true. We did, yeah, yeah, we did. So there's a callback. Oh, yeah, we we, did, we weren't thinking honestly. We, this is just movies we wanted to do, um, and yeah, following this is a up coincidence totally. Yeah, following up to the search for the Holy Grail, we're gonna try one last time to find a Christopher Nolan movie that we have something nice to say about. So we will be doing Memento. I feel like uh-huh. we should have picked a different one. Oh, if okay, we were yeah, I, I haven't seen. That. I, there's none left. I don't think there's any left that we could do for him. Uh, so we'll give that one another shot. Uh, after that, we'll Fingers see crossed. what we come up with. Yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. As always, hope you enjoyed this one. We certainly love doing these for you. Uh, we'll catch you next week, uh, Sunday at noon. And as always, enjoy your shit. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is holdup underscore podcast. You can fire us a comment or two, add a movie to our wish list, and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week. Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM.